Hello and welcome to the B-Team Podcast. The best part of life is football and the best part of football is FPL. In this pod, we talk our hearts out about the latter and a bit about the former. Hi, I am Pratish. Hello, I'm Siddharth. How's it going, Pratish? It's going good. Uh, I mean, no complaints. Uh, I had a vacation last week because of which we couldn't do the pod. So everything's good. Uh, game weeks have been a little better than average. So yeah, no complaints. That's great. So yes, uh, what do we do about the pod today? So today uh, we are going to talk about our game week and the game so far. Where do we stand? What are we thinking about? Our current positions. Uh, a little bit about our plans going forward. Then we will also discuss uh, the budget mids because I think that's one of the hottest topics right now. Uh, and in fact, one of the hottest segments of players right now. Then what should we do about the Brentford duo, which is Mbumo and uh, Ivan Tone? Then we talk a little bit about uh, the new managers and what kind of a bounce can we expect from them, if at all. And then in the end, we'll just share a little bit of our opinion on who we think is in all probability uh, going to win the league. So yeah, that's what we have uh, for today. So Great. Let's dig in. Let's get started. Yeah. So how was your game? Uh, how, how, like, how did you fare? I didn't check the scores. Let me check it. I got, I got, I got a decent 56. Uh, the game week average was 42. I got a 56, but overall I did manage a red arrow. Um, a little disappointed, I'll be honest, because I could have done better. And I say that because I have a good 22 points on my bench. And that's excluding uh, Foster, who got 11. I obviously wouldn't have kept Foster, who was playing Arsenal, and not keep Ramsdale instead. So that was all right. But uh, leaving Cancelo out really hit me hard. And Chelsea losing their clean sheet also made it worse. So I just felt that I made I, I made a big mistake by not keeping Cancelo in my team. Had I kept him, I would have easily touched the 68 to 70 uh, point mark, which was, uh, again, would have kept me, uh, you know, with a green arrow. So, yeah, overall, I'm all right. I mean, a big mistake, but yeah, that's about it. I... Why did you bench Cancelo? Um, I thought they were playing United and... Uh, I just thought there will be goals in the game. I did not know what kind of attacking prowess Cancelo would have. Um, this is his uh, best haul this season, if I'm uh, right about that. And I just did not see two assists coming in along with a clean sheet. So, yeah, I just it was complete oversight. I just thought that Alexander-Arnold and Ibramento and Christensen have more value. I also have a double up on Mbuemo and Tony. So, I thought, you know, they also stand to... Uh, <clears throat> scored a lot of points for me since they just played Norwich. But then, as luck would have it, Norwich registered their first win under Daniel Farker. And uh, not only did he get sacked, Brentford lost, and I only got three points out of those two players. So, yeah, I but did not if, see that. I, I'm looking at your team right now. Um, in hindsight, who would, you, who would have you benched? I mean, going purely by your... Uh, thinking process and uh, because I, I mean I would have I would have benched I would have benched one of Christensen or Livramento for Cancelo um, 
yeah, that's what that that's what I would have done because uh, Cancelo at least has that attacking threat, and Christensen does not offer that. I just thought against Burnley, Chelsea will keep a clean sheet, which they failed to do. Um, had he kept his clean sheet, I would not have felt so bad because I would still score a decent sixty points. Um, but yeah, all said and done, I should have played Cancelo. I just didn't. Obviously, I did not imagine him getting a fourteen-point haul. At the max, he would have kept a clean sheet, which Christensen was very capable of doing. And Liramento is also taking along very well with points. So, yeah, I just made my judgment based on that. It was a last-minute call to leave Mount out and bring Rafinha in from my bench. And I think that did well for me because uh, Thomas Tuchel did say before the game that Mount will be in the squad, but he does, did not know how many minutes he would get. So, that was a big hint for me that he might not start. And if he doesn't start, then he does not have any... Chances of uh, you know giving FPL points, so I just made that that shift last moment, and I think I got rewarded for that. So you win some, you lose some. Let's just put it like that. I had fifty-seven points and a tiny green arrow of thirteen thousand um, ranks. Uh, highly non-dramatic team. Um, first bench was Livramento. But in hindsight, there is no player that I would have played instead of him. So, yeah, that was my highly non-dramatic game week and the points I got there. So, yeah, that's been been the thing. And I think right now I'm hovering just at the border of 200k. So, I'm quite happy with where I am at this point. After 11 game weeks, Hovering around 200k, uh, I think is a very good place to be in. I agree. I couldn't agree more. Uh, there's a lot of the game left to be played and uh, there are so many more twists and turns. We are heading into a very busy season after the international break where there would be about 10 games in 44 days. And yeah, that's that's going to be a tough schedule for most teams. There will be a lot of rotation. So we have to make a lot of contingency plans for that as well. So yeah, exciting times ahead. So my plan, uh, moving on to the next session, my plan going forward is really uh, based on this uh, fixture congestion and the contingency plans which you are touching upon. So I want to, to begin with, I want to have 14 starting players in my team. I think uh, that's going to be my priority instead of looking at uh, maximizing my squad uh, in terms of getting points right now. I think it's very important to ensure I have 14 starters. I have uh, Marsal. Or Markal, uh, I don't know exactly how his name is pronounced. And I have Gilmore. Marsal's correct. Okay, Marsal and Gilmore. And uh, Gilmore has not started. Let's see if the new manager who comes in decides to start Gilmore or not. I'm guessing if Lampard takes the Norwich job, then Gilmore will have a fair chance of starting. Um, so Lampard gets that job at uh, at Norwich. I can say this with assurity. Gilmore is a personal favourite and he will start every game and if possible, every minute of every game under Frank Lampard. So, you, if uh, Frank Lampard is appointed in that in that seat, you have nothing to worry about. Yeah. So, either that happens or else I'll have to figure out a way to uh, replace Gilmore with some other starter. Maybe a Douglas Lewis, maybe a Brownhill. Um, basically, a 4.5 to 5 uh, fourth midfielder. Was starting and Marsal definitely is a problem for me and uh, I'm thinking of two things. Either I'll go very safe because I think uh, 
this is the time of the year when Burnley starts becoming tight at the back. It's usually after 10-11 games that they, their defence goes up. Uh, Pope suddenly becomes a world-beating goalkeeper. And uh, I, I, I might move from Marshall to Sir Lotan at 4.4. Or I might uh, I will wait for two weeks before taking that decision. And if I see that Conte has been able to convert the bunch of slow, uh, mildly senseless backline players of Tottenham into a half-decent defensive um, set of players, then I might bring in Regulon uh, at, instead of Marcel. So th- that's my basic plan. It's, on, it's a very simple plan. And just looking at trying to get 14 players as priority and then post that. Once that's done, I can start tinkering. Sounds like a good plan. It's something that I've also been thinking about. In fact, I was I, I jumped on this plan uh, a little bit in advance. I thought that I should you know distribute the money across my squad and balance it out really nicely. So um, I think I had that going till I heard uh, Antonio Conte being confirmed at Spurs, and then I just had to jump on either one of Kane or Son. And luckily, I had a banker transfer. So, I was able to go Rafinha to Norman from uh, Norwich. And then I got in Kane for Wadi, who was, who's not been firing. So, I did that. I have a couple of plans, a couple of moves in mind, wherein I think I should get out Mount and uh, maybe Christensen, maybe get like a Cornet or uh, a Gallagher for Mount and then move Christensen up to a Chilwell or James. And in the long, uh, mid to long term, I would like um, also to probably not go with Mbuemo. And if I don't have either Corne or Gallagher, I'd probably get one of those. Oh, sounds, like a, sounds like you're in a far more stable place. That's great. I think we can move on to the next section, which is budget mids. So, when we say budget mids, we are looking at a, a range of 5.5 to 7.5 starting price. So, it's not the current price of the player, but the price at which they started the season. We're looking at 5.5 to 7.5. So, in this range, I mean, if there have been too many 50-50 calls, I think. Um, at 5.5, there was a 50-50 between Mbumo and uh, Smithrow. People who went Smithrow have really uh, benefited a lot. Um, then in my case, I had a 50-50 call between Smithrow and Saka. And I went with Saka. And um, I don't think I've made a huge loss. And I'm pretty sure that in the long run of the next two, three games maybe, Saka will be able to give me a fair amount of returns, but I don't think he'll be able to match what Smithrow has returned. Cornet is one player that I'm very excited about. Uh, however, when I looked at his stats, he has his uh, XG Delta, which is basically your expected goals. Uh, the difference between your expected goals and the goals scored is a plus three, which means he has overshot his XG by three goals, which is never a good sign. Which is never a good sign for a player who has not, who's not a proven, consistent goal scorer. 
So it's at this point that you have to decide whether you go with this person and maybe they'll give you two or three more goals, like what Lingard did. But that, that, that inevitable fall from the cliff is going to happen at some point. Uh, so that's one thing. But having said that, I'm quite excited about him because he's also an OOP. He's playing out of position as a striker. That's something which increases his appeal, I think. Um, Jota, you want to speak about him? Yeah, I mean, Jota is somebody I'm also very interested in now that we know that uh, Bobby Fabinho will be out for <clears throat> a few weeks at least. Um, obviously, Liverpool faithful and uh, Jurgen Klopp would want uh, him to be back somewhere around Christmas time so that there can be rotation and obviously he's going to reduce his two main attacking threats in Salah and Mane to AFCON. So, he would want Firmino to be fit by then. This is where I think Liverpool missed a trick by not signing an attacker. I feel you, the, the Liverpool squad is stretched. And um, just purely from an FPL perspective, of course, Jota has gotten that much more attractive because he gets that many more minutes and the more minutes he's on the pitch means more FPL points. He's just that kind of player. So, yeah, um, if there was any uncertainty of him not starting and just coming off the bench and probably trying to impact the game and obviously there's many a chance that he might not do that from the bench, uh, that will assuage all your concerns as to, you know, whether to get him or not. He's a fantastic player to have. In fact, he's one of the players I want to keep in my squad when uh, Salah is away. Uh, just a very seminal thought of mine, but... Uh, yeah, at the moment, Jota looks like a very, very good, interesting prospect to me. Um, and yeah, I definitely am looking at him very closely. I think what really increases the appeal of Jota is also the fact that the time when Firmino is expected to come back is also coinciding with the AFCON. And that's when Salah and Mane will be gone. And uh, if you combine both, the thing, both of them, which is eight weeks of Firmino gone, eight weeks is basically the whole of December. And plus two more weeks of uh, the AFCON. So that gives you a solid uh, run of games till at least game week 2021. So that's the next 10 game weeks. Jota uh, is bound to get minutes and his only competitor in Liverpool is going to be Origi and a little bit of Minamino. So that's, I mean, I think that really uh, adds to the appeal of Jota. Another midfielder that I'm very excited about is uh, Bailey. Um, with Steven Gerrard coming in, and I think more than anything else, there will be an infusion of some excitement in the, in the team. And Bailey did show some good signs in the beginning. So that's something that I want to see how that pans out. He's a player I'm very uh, excited uh, about, and I would like to bring him in if he clicks. Yeah. Um. I'm, it's good that you brought out uh, Leon Bailey. And I would also like to bring to the fore another name from the same team uh, who I feel is being overlooked at the moment, but could have a huge say uh, with new management, that is uh, Emi Buendia. What are your thoughts about him? Very interesting because uh, I think we are eating into the next section, but that's okay. Uh, I was... Over the, in the last two days, I've been uh, seeing a lot of videos and reading, trying to read up on uh, Gerard's uh, tactics at the Rangers and uh, how has he been uh, lining up. And it seems that he, he does this thing which is called a double number 10. So 
so which is basically two very uh, uh, centrally close um, players right behind the striker who do the role of a 10 who have a the creative role of a 10 as well as they will progress the ball uh, look for through balls opportunities for through balls as well as try and score as and when possible and i think that uh, bailey as well as uh, buendia buendia even more so than bailey might uh, be very exciting in that role uh, however it also means that somewhere there will be a sacrifice made between Ings and Watkins if he does that. Um, but even if he doesn't do that, if he so this is something he does when he plays a 4-3-3. Uh, three, three. And uh, when, he's, when he does a 4-2-3-1, that's when uh, he has a pen right behind the striker. And that's where I think it will further increase Emibo India's appeal. So irrespective of the formation he plays, if he sticks to the tactics he deployed at the Rangers, there's a very, very tasty role for any India awaiting. Interesting. And I, I think uh, this segues perfectly into the next segment where we want to talk about uh, new management and just like you brought up, um, potential lineups under Steven Gerrard at uh, Aston Villa. Um, even if he was to play like a 4-2-3-1, I don't know if that's something he, he would like to play. But if he did, Emi Buendia in the hole is something uh, very mouth-watering because obviously that's fantastic. And also, uh, we must not forget that he will get his own time with Danny Ings and Watkins uh, training with them for the next week. And then over a week because we are in the midst of international break. So even that will give him an idea whether he wants to use both of them or not. So I, I think there's a lot of excitement around... Uh, uh, Aston Villa and uh, a lot of their attacking players will come to the fore. Leon Bailey, as we mentioned, um, we've also spoken about uh, Emi Buendia. I also think Bertrand Traore is someone we should keep a close eye on. So, yeah, exciting times uh, for Aston Villa. Um, also, although it's not a recent appointment, I mean, it's been a week, 10 days since Antonio Conte has been at the a Tottenham Hotspur seat and we did speak about how you were interested in Reguilon a little earlier in the pod. Uh, I think a lot of their players can be very exciting. Uh, I also think that uh, Matt Doherty now at 4.7, 4.8 becomes a very exciting uh, prospect under Antonio Conte. Just knowing him from his time at Chelsea and how he uses his winger, especially his right wing back. Uh, he converted... Uh, Victor Moses into a world beater for that season, season and a half that Victor Moses was on a run. So, yeah, Doherty is somebody I think I want to keep a close eye on, uh, provided he obviously gets minutes and I, we get some sense of uh, him being in Antonio Conte's plans or not. So, that's one thing I want to see. Regulion, of course, is uh, very exciting. And, of course, the usual suspects, I think, in Hume uh, Min Son and Harry Kane. In fact, that's one change I've already made. As I said, I've removed... Uh, body from my team and I've got Kane already. So, yeah, Spurs, if uh, things go to plan and obviously the timing has been fantastic and what I hear is that this time uh, Daniel Levy legs, uh, tails between his tail between his legs has gone to Antonio Conte and literally begged him to come and uh, manage Tottenham Hotspur and he's uh, actually given him control over everything. Uh, whether he stays true to his word or not, he has a very his reputation precedes him, so I don't know if he'll be able to deliver on that. But uh, 
short to medium term looks good because their fixtures are great. A lot of greens and uh, Antonio Conte's system works really fast. I mean, what he does is he tells every player on the pitch exactly what to do for the duration they're on the pitch. Like, you know, where do you have to run into? You know exactly what positions you have to be in. And it's very, very methodical. It's also very, very um, mechanical. If you were to just follow his instructions, the formation works like an orchestra. It's, it's, it's in sync. How fast do the Spurs players adapt to that and their fitness levels, how fast can they even get uh, as fit as Antonio Conte, Conte would want them to be is yet to be seen. But I'm guessing the time is opportune. Fixtures are easy. He has a good week, 10 days to work with his players. And obviously, these, these guys are athletes. They're already in good shape. But then it'll be, easy, it'll be faster for them to get fitter with uh, his fitness regime and everything. So, although... Am I pleased about it? No, I'm a big Antonio Conte fan. He did wonders at Chelsea. But uh, Spurs fans should be happy and look forward to uh, what he has to do with the Spurs squad because, yeah, I think it's exciting times for them. Yeah, and it's interesting you spoke about uh, Victor Moses because uh, there's a high possibility, at least, uh, if he goes with a 3-5-2 formation, especially, and not a 3-4-3, there's a high possibility of Lucas Mora actually becoming the right wing back because the kind of work rate which he can bring in and uh, his ability to be uh, more active in the box is something which, uh, I mean, it's Doherty. I mean, he needs to get back in uh, his rhythm, which he's lost out for over a season and a half now. Uh, Emerson Royal is somebody who is. Uh, who is a fairly new entity in the team, um, there's a high possibility that Lucas Mora might end up playing that role. That interesting times, which is why I'm more keen on regular. Um, so, yeah, but I am also hoping that uh, Conte does some magic at Tottenham. Having said that, I don't have too much faith in the squad. So, let's see. Let's see where it goes. Yeah, I don't have, I don't have too much faith in the club and I don't say there's a rival. There are bitter rivals of ours. Uh, being a Chelsea fan, but what I what I mean by this is, you cannot have a structure and you cannot have um, a setup as good as what they had under Mauricio Pochettino. That guy was doing wonders, and if he failed, if he could not get you a trophy, means there is something wrong. And to further what I'm saying, they also got in Jose Mourinho, whose record speaks for himself. Uh, he's supposed to be trophy Mourinho, right? He's supposed to be. Somebody who brings in the silverware. And he couldn't do it. So, I just feel that something is wrong with that club. And I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the players. I don't know if it's the structure. I don't know if it's just Daniel Levy uh, who's, uh, you know, holding them back in a lot of ways. I don't know. But yeah, was, as long as it this, continues. Uh, there was this theory also during the rounds that uh, Mourinho was on the verge of, like he was fired just before the Carabao Cup finals. Isn't it? And uh, if he had won the silverware, then his compensation would have been far higher for Daniel Levy. So, again, I mean, as you said, Daniel Levy is also a strange character. So, yeah, but if that, that would have been your first piece of silverware since 2008, that is exactly why you brought him to Jose Mourinho. So, if he's gotten you to a cup final, he deserves the chance to play in that cup final. Obviously, I would have been gutted even if they win. Uh, the community shield. I mean, I don't like it, but then 
I'm going to stick up for Jose here. He came into this job. Okay. Obviously, Dan Levy did not keep everything he might have promised him because I don't think Jose was given enough funds or... Obviously, his methods are also regressive. I mean, in the modern-day football, he's, he needs to, you know, reinvent himself. Okay. So, I'll call a spade a spade. He did not do that. But just firing him because of uh, financial uh, gains right before a cup final, which he has brought the team to, I think that was unfair. And, and yeah, I think they missed a trick there. Agreed. So, next team, I think, uh, which is getting a new manager is Eddie Howe at uh, Newcastle. Is What am I looking forward to? I'm looking forward to Callum Wilson. I am looking... For, and there are two more players who have played with Eddie Howe in the past, in the current squad. Uh, which is uh, Ryan Fraser and Matt Ritchie. These are two players who have uh, played under Eddie Howe earlier. Um, Ryan Fraser, I don't know. I think Eddie Howe is smarter than that to use a player just because they have played with them in the past instead of going with a player who is in great form, which is Alan St. Maximin. I think Alan Singh Maximum can do the role of Ryan Fraser. I think although they play on the opposite wings. But but I'm I'm sorry, I'm just going to interject over here. Uh, knowing Ryan Fraser from his time at Bournemouth under Eddie Howe, and Eddie Howe has done one over Chelsea very often. We've lost a lot of games to Bournemouth when he was manager there. I have been fortunate enough to go to uh, the Vitality Stadium and watch Bournemouth play Chelsea. And let me tell you this. Ryan Fraser was that team's Eden Hazard. And, that, and I, I say this because Eddie Howe has put it out there. It's an official quote. He always took Ryan Fraser to be that X factor. He has that low center of gravity, uh, that spin, that turn, that dribble in him. So he really, really likes him. And obviously, if he's playing 4-3-3, he needs two attacking wingers. And I think uh, Alan St. Maximum and Fraser both have a place in his squad. So I'm excited about that. That'll be interesting, which means uh, no room for Almiron. Because then Almiron would have to be the sacrifice. Which is Almiron great. could be in the hole. He could be in the hole. You can easily go uh, two sixes in, say, uh, a Hayden and maybe uh, a Shelby who can be the passer uh, and the ball carrier. And uh, Hayden could be like the block and maybe the defensive midfielder in the two sixes. And obviously, you can have Almiron, who's also a runner, uh, playing as the eight, semi-8-10 eight, role uh, so that there's a lot of uh, combinations there, and I really think uh, the way Eddie Howe thinks, which is very progressive, keeping the ball, passing the ball, is uh, a modern-day manager. I think a, a formation with two sixes with Hayden and uh, Shelby with uh, Almiron in the hole and two proper wingers in Alan Saint Maximum and uh, Ryan Fraser with providing all the supply they need to Callum Wilson. It's I think it's exciting. Does he will he be able to you know get it get the performance out of them is is for us to the jury still out out there but uh, what I what I what I really am looking forward to is all of this clicking and I think it could click and why I say that is he is going to have a good week with all these players on the training pitch and that's a good time uh, for them and uh, what I heard under Roy Hodgson was that all these players were not serious they didn't know what was happening uh, Roy Hodgson was not somebody who would be very Steve strict Bruce. with them. Steve Bruce. Sorry, I, I'm so sorry. Steve Bruce is what I mean. Um, 
my apologies. So uh, Steve Bruce, although he's a Geordie and obviously he cares a lot about uh, Newcastle, I don't think he was um, the right fit for them. And uh, Rafa Benitez would have been, you know, really upset about not being the manager over there with the new regime and all the money that's going to be available to them. But moving on, Eddie Howe is a very smart uh, appointment. They cannot attract the Contes of the world just yet. And Eddie Howe is really smart. I'm also hearing rumours about Michael Emanalo, the ex-Chelsea football director, coming in to Newcastle. He's already had a meeting with the Saudi owners in the Middle East. And uh, they're drawing up paperwork. And I think he's going to be penciled in. He has a fantastic job ahead of him in the long uh, few, in the long term because now he can build a training ground, he can build a scouting network. All of that will be his. I think Chelsea fans will remember him fondly by and large. A lot of uh, big bats came his way for a lot of transfer dealings, but then he did a lot of good as well. And uh, I think he's he's got his task cut out and he's going to enjoy this process. Even if they do go down, I think he will be smart enough to set up a team that will come right back up and then challenge because he is that kind of person. So it's a good match, uh, Eddie Howe and uh, Michael Amanalo. So what I'm, uh, I think what will happen immediately from an FPL point of view is that uh, Newcastle might end up becoming a source of cheap attackers, which is great. Uh, we need some reliable attackers in the front line right now. Almost all the strikers are flopping. It will be good to have Wilson uh, doing Wilson things. Um, so yeah, that's that's the only thing to look forward to. Defensively, I don't know what's in store, what's going to happen. I'm not sure. Um, having said that, uh, we can move on to Aston Villa. And uh, we spoke a little bit about Steven Gerrard and the two number 10s which he deploys and how Emi Buendia and Bailey might have uh, might be, become assets to look uh, to look forward to. Uh, another thing which I uh, came across was the fact that Gerrard is a very uh, practical manager and when he joins it, when he joined the Rangers, the first thing he did in the beginning was he tried to solidify the defense. So just like any other practical, sensible manager, that's what he goes for. Uh, and that's what we can expect even at Aston Villa, that he will try to build the defence first and then move forward. Um, so that is something to look forward to. Uh, much like Klopp's Liverpool, um, he gives a complete free run to the uh, full-backs. So uh, Matt Ritchie and Matty Cash uh, Matt Ritchie, sorry, uh, Target and Matty Cash. I'm sorry for the mix-up. These are two players to look forward to. They might be exciting, but then again, they are at, at that weird 5.0, 4.9 price bracket. So I would uh, suggest people to be a little patient, not immediately jump onto a regular just because it's a Conte team. Give uh, it a week, two weeks at least. And uh, then take a call on which or which fullback of be it Aston Villa or Tottenham do you think can give you clean sheets as well as has the freedom to run forward and uh, attack in the opposition box? So that's one thing to look forward to. Uh, moving on to Norwich, um, 
do you have anything to say about that? Because I'm not very sure uh, about who the next manager could be for Norwich. I mean, for the other three, it's quite clear. Hart is already appointed. Uh, Gerard got appointed today. Uh, Eddie Howe was appointed almost when I think the last game when it was on uh, Amanda Stavely was sitting with Eddie Howe. So, any news on the? Yeah, he's, he's been announced. It's been it's been it's been a good uh, three four days since Howe got announced, and I think he's taken a few training sessions as well. So yeah, that's all done and dusted. Norwich is exciting. Why is it exciting? Is because the names that are under consideration are Dean Smith and Frank Lampard. Is what I'm hearing, and Frank Lampard again, uh, very progressive, very attacking, great manager. Um, my only, the only scary thing for me is that Norwich are relegation bound, and I don't think they have the kind of funds to give him in January. So, if I was Frank Lampard, I wouldn't take up this job. I would still, you know, wait, wait out there. Maybe take a dip back into the championship, but then if he if you might as well do it with Norwich, then you know it's probably a good proposition for them. Um, very surprising that after they got their first win, Daniel Farkey went. He actually, uh, you know, gave way to his method of playing, and he started playing long balls, and the, the fixed the bad results got to him. So that is why he did not even play his engine. There was uh, Billy Gilmore, who they really worked hard to getting into that team for on loan from Chelsea. So. If Lampard comes in there, obviously everything will go through Gilmore. There will be a lot of attack. I think he'll use Cantwell very well. He was going to use uh, Daniel. Uh, he's going to use Pookie very well, and um, I think it's going to be exciting. Will it be enough to for them to prevent the drop? I don't think so. But yes, they will start picking up points on the bounce for sure because um, it's it's going to be exciting. And obviously, there is a new manager bounce, right? And also, when the new manager is someone who's uh, used to the Premier League already, and who knows how to play attacking football? It could be exciting. Dean Smith, however, I don't get. He's just been fired from Aston Villa. Would he really want to go back into a job and that also a job at Norwich? I don't know. But yeah, these are the two names that are being thrown up, and uh, yeah, it's, nonetheless, it is exciting. But not many uh, players from Norwich that I would want to consider uh, keeping in mind uh, football uh, fantasy Premier League. I would, I would, for for now, just stay clear. Uh, I still think uh, Ivan Tony is a better op- option. Armstrong is a better option to Pookie. But yeah, if somebody does want to take a punt and they are sure about who the next man is, uh, and they will do uh, work wonders, I think this is the time where he could score a few goals. So yeah, that's the only exciting thing FPL wise. My uh, major problem with Norwich right now is the fact that they don't have a spine. At all, um, their uh, the the holding ability of the midfield, the ball progression of the midfield, plus the backline is abysmal. So anyone, any coach who comes in will have to be. I mean, it's almost like a kamikaze suicide mission uh, for a coach to join at this juncture, and. Maybe what Norwich needs right now is a coach like Sam Allardyce, not a Dean Smith, not a Frank Lampard, somebody who can just like grind it out. Yeah, just grind it out and keep them afloat. So maybe that's what we. Need. Let's wait and watch. I think I don't think anything is set in stone. Let's see. We'll find out in the next few days. But yeah, as of now, I think it's uh, Frank Lampard's job to turn down. Uh, but it could be exciting. You never know, right? I mean, 
they're also a team uh, who lack identity but i know for sure that they want to play a certain way and if they want to continue on that path frank lampard is the right man uh, allardyce of course is a short term fix and he will keeping he'll, he'll he'll be the best bet for them to be in the in, in the premier league but then what's the point of being in the premier league when there has to be another managerial change and again without spending money will they have the time to bet in uh, the philosophy that a frank lampard or a, another progressive manner the manager would uh, want so all in all i think it should be a decent appointment and and yeah i mean we're only one fourth of the way right so we still have a good 27 uh, games to go which is a long time yeah i think then the only thing missing if lampard takes up the job then the only thing missing would be scores in a managerial role and the boys will be back <laughs> bring the band back right yeah 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 so yeah, coming to our last section who do you think is given the way things are going if gantier head which team is winning the league uh gun to my head from whatever little i've seen so far and i'm not going to be biased yeah That's i agree problem. i agree. i think this and i think it's going to happen simply because of extreme consistency which chelsea is showing Uh, See, I I don't want to rule out Pep Guardiola. I don't want to rule out Man City. They will not finish third. Whoever beats them is going to win the league. Whoever finishes above them is going to win the league. So yeah, I think that and the only was the only team that I can see doing that is Chelsea because I I just feel that yes they did drop points at home to Burnley but then they played very well. Yes, they got battered by Man City and they lost one nil, which it could have been with a bigger scoreline against them. But I, they I are getting their results. I wouldn't. I wouldn't go as far as to say battered. They didn't get battered. I mean, out of a hundred times Jesus gets that opportunity, he's going to score max five to six times. That was a very difficult shot. Everything was too tight uh, to be able to get a get the kind of trajectory for the ball which he was able to get but no nobody blocking it in the path while the whole box was so congested i i wouldn't use the term batter yeah i mean i'm not i'm very optimistic even after uh, drawing to burnley at home and i why i say that is because it's it's very simple we had a very difficult start our fixtures were very difficult uh, liverpool away arsenal away arsenal obviously are on the bounce now right so they are doing well so we've got arsenal out of the way arsenal at the emirates is out of the way Uh, we had Spurs away. Conte is going to do really well. At least at home, he's going to make it a fort fortress moving forward. So we have three fixtures out of the way. We have already played Manchester City, um, and not only that. Given the the difficult start, we still have notches to go up. We still have Lukaku to come back fit and start firing, which he will. And I know for a fact that Lukaku has played a lot of football. He had that fatigue. and without him being in the squad we were able to win games so uh, it can only be it can only go upwards from here right there's no downside to anything at the moment and uh, obviously there's going to be a lot of games and we have the squad to cope for that cope with that i think there is a there is a couple of gears for chelsea to go up so keeping that in mind if we are able to you know go up those two three gears i think the league is chelsea's to lose yeah agree agree so i think that's all we have for today Yep, fantastic. Uh, it was a pleasure, Pritish. Uh, look forward to our pod next week. Uh, boring international game week is upon us. Uh, I hope we get to do, be busy with uh, things that are not football and uh, try and make it 
as uh, entertaining as possible but yeah thank you so much for everyone listening in um please share our small little pod on all your socials keep the love coming we would love your feedback we're also going to post about it on our twitter handles so yeah if you want to engage with us please feel free to do that and yes do not forget your greens <laughs>